Amen. I mean, some of y'all are going, well, this is, this is normally how we do it. I can tell you, this ain't how most people do it. I'll just tell you that right now. I'm blessed to be here and an honor to come and share with you this morning. As uh, Ken shared with you, I work with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Uh, the Mission Board is the entity that's supported by the Georgia Baptist Convention. The Convention are the churches, 3,500 plus churches all across Georgia. About 1.5 million Georgians uh, go to a Georgia Baptist church. Sometimes, okay? Not, not necessarily every Sunday, but sometimes. And, uh, and here's the reality. Georgia Baptists are working together uh, to reach not only Georgia with the gospel of Christ, but also uh, the world. And so thank you so much for your partnership in that. Daughtry County, 85, 90,000 people in your population. Now, th listen, today less than, uh, less than 80% uh, well, actually, less than 20% of your county will be in church uh, today. In fact, less than 20% of the population of your county will go to church anytime this year. You live in a lost, spiritually lost county. Now, you can look around here and say, man, we're doing pretty well. And, and we can see pockets of not only adultery, but also all across uh, Georgia, where things are going well, but trust me, when I say that 75% of Georgians didn't go to church once last year, that's all of our state. We live in a lost state, and that's, that's why we need each other. We need each other because I promise you, Sherwood can't reach the 7 to 8 million lost people in Georgia. But you can when you partner with Forest Woodstock and when you partner with Calvary Temple and when you partner with all the churches that are all across every county, every town, every, every little holler, there's a Baptist church that's preaching and teaching and desperately needs churches to come alongside that encourage and resource. And that's what we do at the mission board, to encourage pastors to resource and train churches. So it's an honor for me to come and share with you. Uh, there's a lot of things that we're doing together. You know, y'all know we have three colleges that are training the next generation of leaders. Uh, that may, may be preparing them for, for being a doctor, a teacher, a policeman, uh, something in that area of secular work, but they're going to be mission-minded because they're be receiving now a, an education with a, through a biblical lens. We also have uh, children's homes, we have senior adult living centers, we have ministry that's taking place all across our state. We have Mission Georgia with the emphasis of five areas of need in Georgia, and we want to continue to broaden that. Right now we're working with foster care and adoption. 11,000 children are in the foster care program, not because they're bad kids, they're beautiful children. It's mom and dad that's messed up, and what they need is a loving, caring home for a period of time. Somebody that will open up their hearts and their homes to them. And we're seeing that happen all across our state now. Because what we're doing is just making Georgia Baptist aware of the need. And you know what? When you have 1.5 million people and when you have 3,500 churches, hey, if every church will just take three. Literacy is another emphasis with Mission Georgia. Right now, 48% of the students in Georgia don't read at grade level. Hey, you know what happens to a, first, a second grader who can't read at grade level from first grade? They start getting left behind. And we know that by 
fourth grade, if they're not reading at grade level, they're 70% more likely to be involved in crime, gangs, drop out of school, or be on welfare for the rest of their lives. There's a reason why the state of Georgia studies the reading proficiency of fifth graders. You know why it is? To see if they have enough prisons. Now, if the church knows this, why wouldn't we do something about it? Here's the reality. If a child can't read, they can't read the Bible. So we've got a program called Read Georgia. Excuse me, Read Georgia. We have hundreds of churches all across the state that are partnering with schools that are opening up their doors saying, y'all will help us? And what's the beautiful thing is, listen, these churches have volunteers that are coming in to help these children begin to read. These kids are now, what, learning. They're becoming better, more proficient at reading, comprehension. They, they now have developed relationships with their tutors, their mentors. Now, can you imagine the doors that are going to be opening up for us to do ministry and evangelism, showing the love of Christ and then sharing the love of Christ? And then it's more than that. It's also pre- and postnatal care for uninsured mothers right now. Listen, African-American women, it's called uh, maternal mortality. We have African-American women in Georgia die at a higher rate in childbirth than some third world countries. And the reason why that's true is because they don't have access to doctors, health care, vitamins, and the things that they need. Hey, if we know this, why wouldn't the church step into that gap? I don't think most of y'all are with me right now. Why wouldn't we step into that gap? I mean, because we have doctors all over the state that are followers of Christ that would be willing to give their time if somebody would just put together a little bit of structure and organization. And we have the ability to do that. And so it's more. It's immigrants and refugees. We have a thousand people. I'm sorry. A million people that are living in Georgia right now, over a million, that weren't born in America. Hey, let me tell you a cool story. We have a Russian church in Atlanta, Russian Georgia Baptist Church, that's ministering to Ukrainian refugees. The AJC hasn't picked that up yet. They can't find that story like a burglar can't find a policeman. Y'all get that later. But anyway... <laughs> But there's so many things happening, and I just want to say thank you to Sherwood Baptist Church. Your partnership is making a difference. There's a lot more we could talk about, but i got to preach. If you brought your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 3, and today I'm going to be talking to you about the difference, or what's different about a difference maker. <laughs> When we talk about God using people to make a difference, uh, it's easy for some folks to say, well, that's great. I hope he uses some people. I hope he uses others. Or we might even think God uses people. Absolutely. He uses the quote-unquote professionals. And uh, today, really and truly, my responsibility is to share with you from the Word of God that you're the person that God can use to make a difference in your world. As we read our text, I want to tell you something that I read on the internet, so I know it's got to be true. Uh, the article said that you can divide the entire world up into three groups. 
And uh, the, the writer of the article said there's the first group, and those are people who make things happen. And then he said there, the second group, the second group are those who watch things happen. And then there's the third group, and the third group are those that ask, what happened? And uh, amazingly enough, we're going to see all three of these groups uh, in our text today. Uh, read with me now, Acts chapter 3, or I actually follow along as I read in verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. We've already read a lot right there. There's already a lot of information we just received. They laid him there every day to what? To ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Hmm. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with Wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, let's pray. Father, uh, speak to our hearts now through your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit would have freedom to move. And Lord, that we would have hearts that are receptive. And as Jesus said, we'd have ears to hear that the seed of your word and the message from your word would be planted in good soil and bring a harvest, a kingdom building, a, an earth-shaking harvest. And we pray for Daughtry County, Lord, and the thousands of people that don't know you and are headed for destruction, they are lost. God, stir in our heart, break us about their lostness. Move us beyond our comfort with their lostness. Lord, give us a holy restlessness and a passion. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So let me give you a little context of our text as we jump into it. Uh, First of all, we saw two things that were common in the sense that they occurred every day. Uh, the first was the people of Jerusalem going to the temple to pray. Now, that wasn't a common thing. In fact, prayer is, what an incredible thing that you and I can pray to the Almighty. Isn't that amazing? Do you ever start praying going, I'm talking to God. This morning, I was 
prayer walking this campus uh, several times, and I learned a new move in my prayer walking uh, while here in South Georgia. In North Georgia, I just walk like this. In South Georgia, I walk like this. <laughs> and I learned to... But I'm asking God, would you, Lord, move in our hearts today? And so these people would go to the temple to pray every day, three times a day. It's a common thing, and it's a fact that it happened every day. The, the Scripture says that this particular recorded event that we have in Scripture was at the ninth hour, which would have been the third hour of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the other common occurrence would have been how people took care of those that were in need and were unable to provide for themselves. Uh, it would be a friend, a neighbor, a family member. Somebody would help them, whether they would uh, allow them to ride in a cart or they'd uh, escort them in some capacity. Sometimes they had to be carried. This gentleman was lame. He was possibly paralyzed. The scripture says that he had been lame from birth. So he's, listen, he had some type of uh, birth defect defect and was unable uh, to obviously provide for himself and his family if he had one. And so what would happen for all the poor, they'd be taken somewhere where there's a high traffic. They'd be taken to the gates of the city. Maybe a person coming in for trade and commerce would have, would have compassion upon them and be generous. Or they would be taken to uh, the, the gate of a wealthy man's house. We see that recorded in Scripture. Or they'd be taken to the gate of one, or one of the gates of the temple. And this particular gate was called Beautiful. The scripture says they laid him there, they laid him there every day. And the gate of the, uh, of the temple called Beautiful was 75 feet tall. Think about that, seven stories tall. 60 feet wide. It took 20 men, 10 on each door, to open it and close it every day. It's covered in gold, Corinthian Bronze plated, it was a spectacular sight, thus became known as, oh, that's the beautiful gate. And how ironic that right outside of the beautiful gate is a row of beggars, unaffectionately known as beggars row of human carnage, really. And so every day when people are walking into the temple for those hours of prayer, you know what they heard? They heard the beggars begging. And I can, I can imagine there's a variety of responses to their cries for help. I imagine that there's some that heard the cries for help, but my goodness, they heard it yesterday. They heard it the day before. And who in the world's got time to help the needy when you're on your way to church? Probably were some that were walking and they didn't hear it. Oh, that, they, their ears took it, but they just no longer heard it like they used to hear it because their ears have grown dull. Their eyes have developed those cataracts that really form over the needs of others. If you lived in, if you lived in Albany a while, you probably have grown dull to some of the needs in this county too. Now, I'm glad we have a church like Sherwood and other churches and an associate, association like yours that's ministering to the needs. And it's easy for you to say, oh, man, my church is taking care of that, and I'm going to just write a check. But I will tell you something. Writing a check is important. It's a part of being a follower of Christ. 
Listen, we are stewards of what God has given to us, and we're to, to manage those resources that God has given us to do the work of the Lord. But writing a check never eliminates or alleviates me of the responsibility of going myself. And so uh, we, we have these needs, and I'm glad you have a church doing that, but don't think that because somebody else is doing it that uh, you can sit back and be one of those folks who's watching it be done. I, I hope that today we're all going to move toward that category of being the people that make things happen by the power of God for the glory of God. So you have possibly a third response, and that would be those who probably been working that afternoon preparing something to give a food or whatever they could give to share with them as they're about to go into the prayer meeting so that those folks would have at least something to eat that night and wouldn't go to sleep hungry. No matter what the response is, there's a bunch of them. The two that we want to look at are the, are the responses of Peter and John because those are the two that God used to make a difference. And we want to learn from their actions and then watch this. We want to emulate them. We, we want to say, hey, you know what? We, we can do that. And I want to tell you something. My three points are so simple, a five-year-old will get it. But I will tell you something. They're difficult. And I'll tell you why they're difficult. Because there's an enemy fighting you to not do any of them. Let's look together. Verse, verse 3, it says, so the lame man sees Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he asked for alms. Verse 4, and, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So the first thing that I want you to see, if you and I are going to be people that God uses, or the difference, if you will, in uh, difference makers is they, first of all, see the need. They, they see the needs that are around them. Look now at verse 4. It says, and fixing his eyes on him. That word fixing is a very powerful and very pointed word. It, it means literally to fasten. It means to look earnestly. It means to be arrested by a sight. And maybe you've had that experience in your life where you saw something, maybe a sunset or a mountain range, or, or maybe you saw a, a, a large buck running through a field or something that you went, good night, look at that. Maybe you're like me. I stood in front of the altar years ago, and the organist began to play, and everyone stood. I'm standing next to the preacher, and all my family and friends are there because I'm about to exchange vows with the prettiest blonde hair, blue-eyed girl I'd ever seen in my life. And I said a few months before that, I said, wilt thou? And she wilted, all right? <laughs> and so now she's walking down that aisle, and she, they opened those doors. I saw her, and I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I couldn't take my eyes off of her. So you, you understand what it means to have your eyes locked in on something. Fixing his eyes. Couldn't take his eyes off of him. You know, when you read Scripture over and over again, you're going to see there's a common <laughs> message for those of us who are followers of Christ. In fact, this message is, 
is repeated everywhere you look. And there is this expectation that we as followers of Christ are going to be generous, we're going to be thoughtful, <laughs> we're going to be kind, we're going to serve others. These are just some of the things that are in the Bible that talk about the expectation that God has for those who are believers. Jesus in Matthew 25 was talking to his, his people and he was explaining to them about the end times. And he says that there will be a time in which uh, he will divide all of humanity into two groups. That article was actually wrong. They're not three groups, they're only two groups. They're the sheep and the goats. The goats are those that do not place their faith and trust in Christ. Scripture says that they will experience judgment upon them because of their sin. It is an eternal judgment. Uh, the sheep are those that, listen, they aren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They're, they're sinners saved by grace. And they have now been forgiven because they placed their faith and trust in the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And now Jesus says, and he begins to talk to the sheep, and he said, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And he went down this whole list, and then Jesus said, then they will say to me, Lord, when do we do that? When do we see you in prison? We don't remember, see, we don't remember feeding you when you were hungry or clothing you when you were Naked? And then Jesus will say what to them? You ready? What do we say to them? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Do you get it? You know how we serve the Lord? By serving others. In his name, for his glory. We don't just give out a cup of cold water. <laughs> we tell that thirsty soul how they can find living water. Amen. But before you and I can be serving the poor and helping the hungry and visiting those, listen, we have to see the need. Scripture says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, that Jesus saw the crowds and then was moved with compassion. Matthew 15, same thing. He saw the crowds and was moved with compassion. And the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, where the Levite, the priest, walked past the man who'd been beaten and is about to die. He's got these wounds. He's left there by the robbers. And then there was the Good Samaritan. And the Scripture says that Jesus said that he, he saw him and had compassion. In other words, this is the first thing that has to happen in the, the life of anybody who's going to be used by God. You ready? We have to see the needs that are around us. And I will tell you, the enemy for you and I to see the need is us. We have over-agendized our lives to the point where we are hardly any kingdom good. I mean, we have, we have a desire to keep up with the Joneses. Now, trust me, if you want to keep up with the Joneses, 
You're not going to sacrifice anything. Because anytime you give to help a poor man, you're putting yourself behind the Joneses. So can I go ahead and just free you up right now? Because I know you don't even like the Joneses. <laughs> hey, listen to me. The Joneses aren't happy. The Joneses are pursuing in some way to find this unattainable happiness. So quit trying to keep up with them and live out your faith in such a way that you are following Jesus and service and sacrifice and giving. And then you know what you'll find? Oh, the truth of it is more blessing to give than to receive. Let me tell you why. It's a lot of work to keep up with stuff anyway, isn't it? It's freeing. Let me read to you a verse that is so powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24 says, listen to this. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. <laughs> Man, try to live that. Go ahead. Don't, don't, don't worry about yourself. How do I... Make sure everybody else is okay. You're talking about revival? You're talking about that 80-20 rule flipping? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if the 20 that live for the Lord here in this county start living for the Lord, the 80 will fill it. See the need. Well, here's a question that I've got to ask you. What's different about today in this text? The scripture says that every day the lame man is taken to the temple, to the gate called beautiful. The scripture says that every day Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. So the likelihood that Peter and John have passed by this man a hundred times hundreds of times, thousands of times, is extremely high. In fact, what I'm telling you is, I, I, I believe with all my heart, Peter and John have walked past the lame man thousands of times. In fact, he is known in the city. We saw in the last verse where they all recognized the man and went, hey, wait a minute, that's the lame man who's always begging so what is different about today? Well, you don't have to turn now, but if you turn back one chapter to Acts chapter 2, we have the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus made to his followers in John chapter 16. Remember, he was telling his disciples and his followers, I will have to leave. And they were like, don't leave us. He said, oh, I have to leave. You really do want me to leave. No, we don't. Yes. So that when I leave, I will send the helper. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, in the new covenant, God no longer will dwell in tents and tabernacles. Now he's going to dwell in us. 
<laughs> when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sin, you're saying, Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that the third person of the Trinity comes to live inside of us. You now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so now, here's Acts chapter 2. The fulfillment of that promise has happened. And the scripture says that Peter and John and others were there. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came and it sounded like a mighty rushing wind. Now listen, the Holy Spirit's not wind. Holy Spirit's a person. But when he came, he came with such power and force that they could hear him. And now Peter preaches and 3,000 people are saved. Pentecost has happened. And so now here's Peter walking around Jerusalem, a place that he's been all his life. And you know what? He's seeing his world with brand new eyes. He's hearing his world with brand new ears. It's, it's that passage of scripture in Ezekiel 36 where, where God tells the prophet, I'm gonna pour water on you and clean you from your idols. I'm gonna pour my spirit into you. I'm gonna give you a new heart. So now we have the presence of God with me every day. And now my Lord guides me the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and strength and understanding and power. He enables us to live above our ability. We can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And so now here's Peter about to go into the temple that he's been into a thousand times and he sees this lame man and then the Holy Spirit says, don't you walk away, stop. What if you and I lived with such sensitivity to the Spirit that tomorrow when you're driving to work, God says, stop that car. I've got something for you. You say, not me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You. You and I are going to be the people that God uses to make a difference. The first thing that has to happen is we have to see the needs that are around us. The second thing is we have to, <laughs> and this is equally difficult. You're saying, Thomas, I thought you said these were simple. They are simple, but they are difficult. You ready? The second thing is to get involved. Look now at verse 4. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Now, that's a strange thing to say, isn't it? Unless you understand the setting. What's happening is the lame man understands that he's only got a few moments today to, to, to get the attention of as many people as he can. And so he's, he's asking everybody, help me, arms. You see, this isn't a calm, placid, mo placid moment. This is, this is chaos. Every beggar is competing with the beggar next to him for the attention of everybody going in. Help me! No, no, not him. Help me! I'm hungry. 
So now Peter has stopped because the man has gotten his attention and the Holy Spirit has gotten Peter's attention. And Peter no longer sees his world like he did and no longer sees himself like he did. Now Peter sees himself as somebody God can use. And so he stopped. And the lame man's looked away and he doesn't even realize that Peter and John have stopped. And so he's over here saying, over here, over here, look at us. Hey, over here. <laughs> you know something, church, listen. There are some things that we have to do as the church to get the attention of the world because they got all kinds of things that are getting their attention. But I want to tell you what, listen, what will grab their attention is when we care, it's when we, it's when we serve, it's when we sacrifice. They're going to go, why are y'all doing that? You don't have to. Do, we know we don't have to do that. But listen, our Lord did that. And then our Lord told us to do it. And so we want to. What if the church all across Georgia would say to the people in the community, look at us. You got problems with drugs? Look at us. Got problems with your marriage? Look at us. Got problems with your kids? Look at us. You got, you got anxiety and worry? Look at us. We, we want, listen, we want you not to see us. We want to introduce you to Jesus. So, so here's what Peter says to him. So the scripture says he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Hey, if you tell the world to look at you, you better expect them to expect something. And so then Peter drops this on him. This is the Bible verse I learned at age five. When I asked my dad, can I have a quarter for a Coke? That's what it used to be, kids, a quarter, all right? And my dad said, silver and gold I do not have. I was like, okay. And I didn't know he was quoting Bible to me. My dad's always so spiritual. But aren't you glad Peter and John didn't have any money? What if they did have a quarter? You, you understand that we have something far greater to give this world than they could even ask for. He would have never said, Peter, can you heal me? He was just trying to get something to eat, and Peter said, I don't, I don't have any money. He didn't. If you go back to Acts 2, 2, you'll see that they had actually taken all of that they had and put it in the common pot to help those that were in need. And so he had just emptied out his pockets, and now God has placed him in a situation where he's like, oh, if I just had a dollar, I just, Lord, I just gave my, no, 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 the Lord's got something different here. He's already given you everything you need to do what he wants you to do right here. And here's what Peter says, you ready? But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. <laughs> Getting involved. I know it sounds kind of messy. Ah, can't we be like the prophet that said, Lord, here I am. Send them. <laughs> Please, Lord, send them. Yes. I hope they won't be hard-hearted. <laughs> what if you woke up every morning, Lord, give me eyes to see what you're doing and what you want me to do. Third thing, y'all ready? Uh, we have to step out in faith. Look now, verse 7, and he 
says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them. What was he doing now? Walking, leaping, and praising God. So, so stepping out in faith, here's Peter saying to the layman, hey, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now I'm going to tell you what that is, friend. That's, a, that's an action. That, that, those are words of faith. But I will tell you, something as critically important as you and I, having words of faith is that we have actions of faith and that our words and actions match up. In other words, when Peter said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, if Peter said, man, I hope this works. Mm. John, is he getting up? Is he? All right, I'm getting out of town, man. No, that's not what Peter does. What does Peter do? Peter reaches his hand down to help him up. In other words, Peter knows this is about to happen. To the point where Peter says, come on, give me a hand. Give me a hand. Now, let me tell you something equally as incredible as Peter reaching his hand down. The lame man reaching his hand up. He knows he can't walk. But you know what? Peter believes. Billy Graham said, when a man of faith stands up, he stiffens the spine of everyone around him. You know what Peter's faith was? Contagious. That lame man says, I... I've never walked, but this man believes I'm about to. I'm going with him. Come on. And the scripture says, immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. See the need, get involved, and just step out in faith. Now, listen, the miracle that you may be used to do may not be this apostolic miracle. Listen, there was a season in time. We know most scholars believe that there was a period of time in which there, was, there were these signs and wonders, these apostolic miracles. And, and listen, this is now a new season that we live in. That doesn't mean that God doesn't keep doing miracles. He does them all the time. He just does them differently now. But now watch this. You can be involved in being a Listen, difference maker. You can be an an answer to a prayer. Real quick, I'm going to tell you my story. When I was 21 years old, I finally surrendered to the call of God in ministry. For about three or four years, I've been running from it. And I said, finally, making a mess of my life. I said, all right, Lord, what I got left is yours. It ain't much, but I'm yours. I'm, I'm in Augusta going to Augusta State University to get my business administration degree. I already had plans. I, like, I, was like, I was like Jonah, do this. No, I'm going this way, Lord. And finally, that fish got me. And he spit me out. And I said, okay, Lord. And so now, finishing up my senior year in college, and I've surrendered now, and I'm going to go to seminary in a year. And I started working part-time at a small church in a little town called Gracewood, Gracewood, Georgia. Anybody ever heard of it? If you haven't heard of it, thank the Lord and go on with your life, all right? 
because there ain't nothing there. But there's a First Baptist Church. And we had a few folks coming to church. And here I am learning from a pastor. We're reaching people. We're, we're actually going to start a lay-led revival on a Sunday morning. That was a layman coming from Jacksonville, Florida. And he's going to preach for us. And we are inviting people all over the community. And uh, before that, on Saturday morning, Mr. Jones, his name was Red Jones, came and, and did a training for about 15 people of how to share the gospel using three Bible verses. And so um, I came, about 15 of, our, of us came and, uh, and Mr. Jones spent about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, talking about these three verses and how to share them. And, and I'm writing down everything he says because I've never led anybody to the Lord. Now, I, I've, I've helped friends get saved, but I've never sat down with anybody and walked through the gospel showing them how they can understand clearly what Christ did on the cross and how they can place their faith in Jesus and be saved. And so, I, I, listen, I'm loving this. I'm writing everything down I can. A 22-year-old now, college student. And so then Mr. Jones said, all right, guys, y'all been trained. Now, I know you all know lost people. Now, go out and find lost people and share the gospel with them. We went, wait, what? <laughs> Looked at my buddy of mine. We went to the first house. A friend that had been coming to church about six weeks, knocked on the door, he came to the door. This is my line. This is as smooth as it gets. You ready? Hey, um, we've just been at the church and they taught us three Bible verses. <laughs> Can I share them with you? And he went, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. We sat down. I shared the verses just like he told me. I said to my friend, hey, would you, is there any reason you wouldn't be willing to place your faith and trust in, in Jesus? And he went, no. And I said, would you be willing to give your, your, your life to Christ right now? And he went, yeah. And I went, really? <laughs> all right, hold on one second here. If yes... Okay, 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 here. Here's a prayer I wrote down. If, if this is what you want to say to the Lord, read that. He said, it's exactly what I want to say to God. And I went, all right, well, um, pray it. <laughs> and that's slick, isn't it? Man, he starts praying it, and man, he starts crying. He gets choked up. I start crying. I look over my buddy with me and he starts crying. And he finally says, amen. And then we just start hugging. And I started thinking, God's using me. I'm a nobody. God's using me. So we prayed together, told him about baptism all. He said, I'm coming. Bring your swim trunks. And we're going to bring my swim trunks to church. Yes. We're going to baptize. All right. We, we left, got in the car. I looked at my buddy. And this is what we didn't say. You ready? We didn't say, man, I'm glad that's over. I never want to do that again. You know what I said to my buddy? Hey, you think Herbie's heard these three verses? <laughs> 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 
You know what he said back to me? I think he's about to. <laughs> that day the Lord used us to lead two more people to Christ. Listen to me. And it radically changed my life. Oh, you say, what? Well, you got saved? No, no, no. I was saved here. But really and truly that equipping and training to be used by God to make a difference in the world. There's not a person here who has Jesus in their heart that can't be used by God to make a difference. Let's bow our heads together. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, friend, I want you to do that right now. Listen, God wants you to do that right now. You say, well, what do I need to do? Well, the Bible says so clearly, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. And so if your heart's desire is to say an eternal yes to Jesus, the Bible says that we're all sinners and that we have to be forgiven of our sin. We can't save ourselves, that our sin separates us from God. But God, who will judge us, is also infinite love and has provided a way by which we can have our sin forgiven. How can we have our sin forgiven? God sent a substitute, his son Jesus, who went to the cross and took our punishment. And he was crucified, died, but yet resurrected three days later to give every one of us not only freedom from our sin, but hope and victory over death and the grave. And so right now, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says that Jesus will hear your prayer. If you pray it in faith, forgive you your sin and come, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. You say, I'm ready to pray that prayer right now. Well, then pray this with me. Pray it with all the faith that you have. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And right now I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of my sin. Come into my life. And I acknowledge you now as Lord of my life. And I will now follow you. Lord, I know I'll make mistakes, but I know that you are with me even through my mistakes. Father, I pray that you'll give all of us courage and boldness and humility and strength to, to obey you in every way. And Lord, I know that you know that there are many who just prayed that prayer, and I pray they won't keep it a secret, that they'll share it. In fact, there'll be pastors that are coming right now. They'll be standing down front here. The pastors will be with their wives. And so this morning, you said, Thomas, I prayed that prayer. I meant it with all my heart. I want to pray for you right now, but I'd love to know who you are. Listen, I'm not going to embarrass anybody in any way. But this morning you say, Thomas, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Would you let me know right now by just quickly raising up your hand as quiet as you can. Raise it up as high as you can. Say, I prayed that with you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you in the back. Anyone else? I'm looking around everywhere in the balcony. Yes, God bless you. Just a moment, I'm going to say a word of prayer for our friends who just prayed that prayer. And then I'm also going to encourage everyone who wants to come to the altar and just pray. Say, God, open up my eyes to see the needs. Lord, give me the faith to step out and the strength, the courage to do your will. I'll pray. We'll stand. We'll begin to sing. And you come as God leads you. You pray that prayer with me. Come share it with the pastor and say, what do I do next?
and they'll help you with your brand new life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for those this morning who said an eternal, wonderful, life-transforming yes to you. God, I pray now you'll keep them safe in your arms, Lord, that you'll protect them from the enemy that wants to continue to war against them, that they'll have the strength and the courage to come forward. But all of us, Lord, will respond to your spirit now and bring you glory through our obedience. And I pray this in Christ. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing, and you come as the Lord leads.